Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest news shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations. My name is John Boehm, joined every week by Ali Herbert-Burns, and together we look after all the TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, we've got two shows from both sides of the Atlantic today to talk about. What are we discussing? We're discussing a new BBC and HBO co-production called Rain Dogs, and we've got season two of the latest iteration of Perry Mason that has started this week. So a couple of things to get talking about, and our dinner party recommendations are favourite little gems on Binge. Awesome. Well, let's head to London for Rain Dogs. Stella Jones. Do they think we're gangsters or something? You can't stay here. I promise you, I will write us out of here. No, don't promise. Just try. What are you working on? Uh, undercover projects at a peep show. Well, I will make Iris proud. Daisy May Cooper stars as a single mother searching for a better life for herself and her daughter with aspirations of becoming a novelist. Created by playwright Cash Carraway, this BBC HBO co-production is already being lauded with five-star reviews and being called the most surprising new show of the year. Ali, I didn't know a lot about this going into it. I've already burnt through a couple of episodes. Do you want to set up the show for people? Yeah, it starts in inner city London in a housing commission of a woman being evicted for being behind on her rent. She's got a, a teenage daughter or young daughter with her mouthy, loud, strong female kind of mum who just kind of tells the police where to go. But it kicks off the main protagonist's story who is really, she's kind of falling between the cracks and struggling to just keep things together. And in her effort to peep a roof over her head and her daughter's head, I think we're going to see some unlikely friendships and an insight into her world while she's still charging head, trying to do the best that she can do. But kind of a chaotic, really urban, drops you straight in this world. It's ultimately, I think, a bit of a love story, but a friendship love story, isn't it, about how people come together and try and make it through life. What did you think, John? This is such a John show. What you touched on really is what hit me. It's the, I don't want to even say unlikely friendships, but like the bonds that uh, born out of like necessity, like in an ideal world, she probably wouldn't be friends with these people and she wouldn't be doing the job that she does and she'd be able to pursue her passion, which is writing. And I don't know if it was like a meta nod or something, but when she's getting thrown out of her council flat at the start, she does shout something because, you know, the neighbours are watching. She shouts something along the lines of like poverty porn at its finest kind of thing. And it's like, <laughs> like the show knows it's like that. A lot of these shows that are about people on the edges of society often get criticised as being, quote, poverty porn. But I think the show is so much more than that. And I think you can see the world that's opening up even in the first episode. Yeah, it's not trying to, like, save someone or judge them yet. It's just showing what it's like, like this hectic opening scene where they're just throwing stuff in plastic bags. They're not taking, they don't even have real furniture. It's just their personal belongings. I still love that the girl ripped a Sopranos poster off her wall before they got thrown out. Well, it's an it's an HBO co-production. <laughs> That's true. You're just getting a, a snapshot into her life. I'm really glad we've got this series on binge, and I think it's it's going to get people talking. Daisy May Cooper's really. She's been around for a while, but mm. I feel like she's had a real breakout over the last few years. Are we going to do a Taskmaster crossover? It wouldn't be an episode of <laughs> Flip Intro without me mentioning Taskmaster, but she was first introduced to me on Taskmaster. That's the end of that 
Me too. Um, reference. <laughs> I wasn't particularly familiar with her before Taskmaster and she was insane and brilliant on her sure, season of Taskmaster. Yeah. She was in This Country, which was a really cultish mm-hmm. UK sitcom from a few years ago. But she's also like done the rounds as every sort of British comic actor has in that she's been on 8 Out of 10, Cat Stars Countdown. Also on Binge. Well, she was also on Avenue 5. Also um, on Binge. Also, um, <laughs> maybe that's where she came under the nose of HBO for this. Do you yeah. think? Because it's his co-production, isn't it? Yeah. So, Ellie, while I would say it is bleak in the setting, I kind of wouldn't say it's grim. There's like a light in the characters or something that feels like there was moments of this that felt sort of sitcommy almost. And just because it's a show that comes to my head all the time, is it kind of felt like a very dark. Gavin and Stacey, if Gavin and Stacey had lives had taken a very different direction. And I don't, maybe it's the Britishness or the. I know what you're saying because it's punctuated as well by the lightness in their friendship sometimes or just the cutting away they use humor and put each other down as well. Like, yeah. it's such a big part of it, isn't it? The way that she deals with her life, like she's ballsy and she doesn't take crap from people. And it's like she's not wallowing in her sorrow. She's. She's a doer. She's hustling, isn't she? There's like a passion and a bit of humor to her. There is. And a very British sense of just keep calm and carry on. Like she's literally like people would be screaming or crying or breaking down. And this woman well, yes, is. Yes, people would be having breakdowns. Yeah, she's, and she's just, just punching like, on. What are we she's, doing? Isn't she? She's just yeah. punching through it. So. Like if you like, I may destroy you. If you like Gavin and Stacey, if you like chewing gum, if like this whole world of really strong, authentic voices that show the whole spectrum of life then yeah, check out Rain Dogs. The first episode is streaming for you right now and there's eight episodes in this first season with new episodes dropping each Tuesday on Binge. So we just got out of prison for protecting Costello. Were you together? (laughs) No, I'm a classical homosexual. I think you're mental. I'm mental, am I? You're lunatic! You're both crazy. I'm only 10, you know. After nearly three years between seasons, Matthew Reese returns to the role of Perry Mason with season two premiering this week on Binge. The 1930s set drama sees Perry Mason, now defence attorney, caught up in another season-long case. I told you once, you could be great. Or you can be nobody. To being nobody... Ali, it has been quite a while between drinks on Perry Mason. This must be a bit of a COVID delay, one would imagine, but also I understand some new creatives involved in terms of writing and directing and bringing this to our screens. But I'm glad that Matthew Reese is back. He's one of my favourite actors. He's done so many good things, including The Americans. He makes a little cameo, I understand, in Cocaine Bear. We'll be coming to binge eventually. We'll be coming to binge soon. <laughs> yeah. and, um, you heard it here first, guys, coming <laughs> eventually to binge. <laughs> but also going back in the vault a little bit, like brothers and sisters and lots of things. So, yeah, he's back. Perry Mason's probably one of the most famous detectives out there. In recent memory, on television, not so much because it was quite many decades ago that the last big TV iteration of this was. But it's been done over film and television lots of times, hasn't it, based on what are, you know, many, many books. I think the stats are 82 novels, six films, four different television series, including the one we're standing in right now, (laughs) along with a long-running radio serial. But I think it's best known from the 1950s TV series, which ran for 271 episodes. Wow. So this is a bit different. That's almost like Perry Mason is a defence attorney and, you know, almost a case a week in that regard. But this, you've got a big complicated crime that's overarching the season. 
it's exceptionally done. It's the period piece. It's very true to 1930s. This is classic prestige television. They've taken a beloved character with, as we've said, 82 novels and six films and hundreds of episodes and said, let's give him the HBO treatment, which is in the first season, saw him starting out as a PTSD private investigator who was sort of just making his way through life. Um, And over the course of the first series, it's almost like an origin story of Perry Mason where Mm. he goes from a PI and sort of ends up as defense attorney that he's known as by the end of the first season. Season one, which all eight episodes are streaming now on Binge, follows sort of this one big intertangled case across the first series. And then season two, which like we said, there's been this three-year gap, basically starts in the kind of classic way of a new case walking in the door. And Perry Mason's now set up as an attorney. He's got a PA, his life's a bit more stable, but this big new sprawling case falls in his lap. And then that's that's the story we're going to be following in season two. And John, just sometimes when you haven't watched something and there's a new season starting, you don't have that sense of, oh, I've missed it. I'm not jumping in. But I feel like you can. Like it's really interesting to understand the story of him being a kind of a broken war veteran and falling a little bit in between the gaps in Depression era America. But like you said, it takes almost to the end of the first season for him to kind of stop being a PI and move into being a defence attorney. So you can, I feel like you can start this one having not watched season one and you'll just go straight into a new story. There's not that much carryover. It's always helpful if you've seen the first one but don't feel like you can't start two if you haven't watched one do you think that's fair yeah no I think that's definitely fair and I think something that adds to that is well a there has been three years between seasons so even if you had watched season one who can remember (laughs) (laughs) so either rewatch I can't even remember last week's episode I have to watch recaps before they drop every week (laughs) but also in the sort of deadline reading side of our lives behind the scenes on the show there's actually been a bit of a creative shake-up I guess is maybe one way to put it the series is executive produced by Robert Downey Jr of all people did he do the first season too yeah he did the first season as well but in season two they got in some new showrunners so it's kind of like reboot is probably too strong a word but I think refresh or a bit of a rejig who are the new showrunners are they kind of traditional HBO people they brought in Jake Emile and Michael Begler to show oh, on season Nick. two, and they are best known for The Nick, another show that we have on Binge. I can see why they probably brought in these guys from The Nick. The Nick is set in the early 1900s. Mm. It's a similar world and vibe. Yeah, suits their palette and their knowledge and stuff. Yeah, cool. Yeah. One of the things I was reading was season one, they talked about being very gritty, and season two, these new showrunners were like, we wanted a bit of sunshine, and I think literally there is more sunshine in season two. <laughs> Someone turn the lights on. But also they wanted to bring a bit of literal sunshine, but also a bit of like humour and lightness to it as well because season one was quite gritty. The crime was... About a of, baby kidnapping. Yeah, it was quite confronting. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see where season two goes. We've got new episodes dropping Tuesday. If you're listening to us right now, there's a new episode for you ready to stream. And otherwise there's eight apps for you dropping each Tuesday on Binge. This city has suffered a devastating loss. Murderers such as these men have no place in our civilized society. I don't think they did it. The cops round him up, and Ellie's got themselves the perfect patsies. It's worth fighting for. I just worry that... What? That you're not ready for another murder trial. 
John, we're up to the stage of the podcast where we talk about our dinner party recommendations, those hidden gems or not so hidden gems, but just the things we love telling people to watch on Binge. They don't have to be brand new. I had a real life story this week on last week's episode, episode 55, we were talking about my dinner party recommendation was The Low County, the story of the Murdoch dynasty and the murders that are capturing the attention of America. And we had this whole it actually came up at the dinner party, not about the show, but the murder case, because the the guy, Alex Murdoch, was um, convicted of murder over the last couple of weeks. Anyway, so it was an example of a dinner party recommendation crashing into a dinner party, just conversation, and then I re-recommended at a real dinner party the um, last week's recommendation. So there you go, in real time. That's a long way of saying what is your dinner party recommendation this week, John? Well, mine is not one that's come up at a dinner party yet, but... Something I wanted to point to on Binge is a collection that we have. If you go to the movies section and sort of scroll halfway down, there is a carousel called Television About Movies. Ooh. And we know how much I love my inside baseball and I love my films about television and television about movies and documentaries about directors and things. We have this great series called Icons Unearthed. And there are two seasons of it. And each season looks at a sort of different pop culture icon and does a really deep dive and talks to people who are actually involved. It's not just one of those like archive B-roll docos. It's one of those actually go and find the people involved in the thing. And there's two seasons of it. The first season of it was about Star Wars. The second season, which is playing out right now, um, is about The Simpsons. I am a huge Simpsons fan and I'm not a massive Star Wars fan person I've just never gotten into it but I've watched both of these and loved it because even if you don't necessarily have a huge attachment to the show or if you do there's just so many different ways in like to hear about the production to hear about all the things that went wrong to hear about how close everything got to not happening in the Simpsons one they talk to the woman who actually chose the yellow that became the skin color in the Star Wars one they talk to George Lucas's ex-wife about the editing process and what like what she would have done to the prequels that <laughs> she wasn't involved in and yeah so it's really interesting there's obviously there's like tons of behind the scenes things but like I said what I think makes this one a bit different is that they really go and find the people involved even if it's not Matt Groening or George Lucas they find hundreds of people who are involved in all these productions and they find really interesting people who were there on the ground and tell these great little stories So, yeah, we've got two seasons of it at the moment. First season, Star Wars. Second season, The Simpsons. I think they might be making some more in the future about different sort of pop culture moments. But, yeah, if you want to take a break between watching Star Wars or watching The Simpsons or watching whatever, yeah, check out Icons Unearthed. None of us expected this show to run very long. At the time, it was a shocking show. This is a show that could last forever. Great recommendation. I'll add that to the list. Okay. I'm talking about a show this week that regular listeners of the podcast might remember me talking about a few years ago now, but Rain Dogs reminded me of one of my favorite shows on the binge platform and in our library, which is called I May Destroy You. I May Destroy You came out in, I think, about June 2020, and it's from an amazing creative woman by the name Michaela Cole, who wrote, directed, and stars in I May Destroy. It's a 12-episode kind of dramedy, but it's a exceptional look into a young woman's life that's kind of turned upside down in London when she's roofied at a bar and wakes up the next morning after being abused, but with her really close-knit group of friends and in the setting of from very modern contemporary London, an amazing use of music. I just found it an amazing view on trauma and a victim's point of view on things um, and a really 
different way of, of telling her story, which was largely influenced and inspired by some of her real life experiences. It was more the setting of London in Rain Dogs that reminded me of this rather than the tone so much. Maybe the hecticness of London was the connective point for me. Yeah, no, definitely. Taylor Cole, before I made a story, also created a series called Chewing Gum. Yeah. And Rain Dogs also reminded me quite a bit of Chewing Gum, you know, especially because the council flat settings and all the relationships and the turmoil and everything that happens in, in that world. But I was definitely watching Rain Dogs and thinking about I, I may destroy you and, and chewing gum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I may destroy you. Just speaking of dinner party recommendations, like it's the show that just continues to come up for a one season, twelve episode run to I think still be resonating with people so much. Just just speak so highly of it. The thing I love about um, I may destroy you is the final few episodes where it shows almost three scenarios of how something could end, almost three outcomes for the victim to make them kind of feel better. You know, do they get full blown revenge? How do they learn to ultimately? live with and, and settle with their trauma without it destroying them. So, um, yeah, I recommend I May Destroy. Sometimes it gets a bit much. What do you do when it gets a bit much? Try yoga, painting. Painting? Handicrafts. I don't even think I know what handicrafts is. There's so much injustice and my job is to speak the truth. Thank you for what you're doing. I love you too. This week on Skip Intro, we discussed Rain Dogs. We talked about the new season of Perry Mason. I recommended that you check out Icons Unearthed. And Ali reminded us all about I May Destroy You. All of these are streaming for you now on Binge, which, of course, you can find on your favourite device. I'm John Bowen, joined every week by Ali Hubert Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more Skip Intro. Bye. <laughs>